0: Welcome to episode 44 of the Rapid Change Matters podcast, a conversation with coach, therapist, and business consultant and organizer of the UK Hypnosis Convention, Nick Ebden. My name's Howard Cooper, and for over 14 years now, I've been fascinated with helping people to create personal change quickly. But I still come across many who believe that lasting personal change has to take a long time, consisting of reliving traumas or deep psychological analysis, or simply that flawed notion that understanding why you have a problem will somehow make it go away. I'm on a mission to get people who work therapeutically with others to shift their thinking and realize that these beliefs are not written in stone. Rapid change can happen. So, to help you open up to what's possible, I'm chatting with top therapists and agents of change who are out there, getting real results with real people really quickly. Before we get to the interview, I've got big news. Rapid Change Works is now running live training events, and you can check out the latest events coming up by visiting rapidchange.works where you can also download a free, quick-to-read PDF on five strategies to amplify your client's response, along with all the information about this episode and episodes still to come. Now, over to the interview. Today, I'm joined by Nick Ebden, who is not only the organiser of the UK's biggest hypnosis conference, but he's also a highly qualified hypnotherapist and trainer in his own right, as well as fellow podcaster. Nick is often able to help individuals where previous therapy work has proved unsuccessful by blending a multi-modality style and approach that he's developed, having studied a number of additional coaching therapeutic models and strategies. Welcome to the podcast, Nick. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure and I'm really hoping we can jump straight in Mm -hmm. and you could tell us a little bit about uh, really who you are, what you do and how you got started.
1: Well, as you mentioned, um, I am a coach, a therapist. I do some business consultancy as well uptown and uh, I'm the organiser of the UK hypnosis convention, which you kindly plugged for me at the very beginning. Um, I um, I got started uh, probably a, a very cliched story. I suffered from um, severe stress and anxiety and, and what have you when I was working as uh, the head of trading of a metals desk in a international uh, investment bank, uh, Morgan Stanley, mm-hmm. um, I um, life uh, crept up on me, and and I found myself uh, suffering from stress to the point that um, I had some time off work. Um, I discovered uh, cognitive therapy and another uh, a number of modalities. I'd already um, experienced hypnosis. Uh, hypnotherapy and NLB because years before that I'd suffered from insomnia um, and it seemed to have helped with that. Um, I, th- I then left the corporate world in 2011. Um, I, s- I set up a trading and consulting company then and and and, and then went and sort of explored cognitive behavioural therapy and, and hypnotherapy and NLP and integrated coaching and, and what have you and found myself... Being drawn to that as a profession
0: i mean firstly just to, just to mention to all the listeners uh, as well that for the last two years um in fact both of the uk hypnosis conventions that have been running i've attended and they've just been amazing experiences and if people are listening and haven't got themselves down to the uk hypnosis convention yet then they should uh, certainly uh be booking and uh signing up because it's fascinating um And I'm actually, with that in mind, you know, as the organiser of it, you've obviously come into contact with so many different uh, hypnotherapists, often with wide and diverse uh, opinions of the way things work and different styles. How do you manage to, I I, I guess, you know, organise people who have such wide varieties of styles and approaches without getting too caught up and embroiled in it?
1: I'm so glad you can't see my face, Howard, because a look of fear <laughs> came over. I, th- I thought you was going to ask me to pick my favourites and, uh, and what have you. Uh, no, but that's a great
0: question. That'll be next.
1: Do, do you know what? I, I came here from the, the first year. I, 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 le- I had a little bit of help and guidance from the, the Hypno Congress guys um, in Zurich. We used a, a, a very uh, similar model mm-hmm. to it, made, made a few tweaks and changes, but... Um, I thought, you know what, I'm going to come at this from a place of honesty. Um, I'm I'm not, um, I wasn't a recognised global trainer um, or lecturer in hypnosis, and I just had a very humble approach of bribing all of the big, no, I didn't, um, of of just being honest and saying, look, this is what I want to do, I'd really love you to play a part. The first year I... um, just approached a number of people tried to try to give a couple incentives obviously to to participate um not everyone's going to do everything for free but uh, i will say this there were there were so many people that blew me away with their generosity not just in not just in offering to do it uh, and and it was kind of it was a kind of a leap in the dark as well because nothing like that had been tried in the uk i think from, from what I can gather, someone like Valerie Austin had tried something similar years ago. Um, I think um, what Anthony was doing with the change phenomena stuff was great, but this this was a, a little different because it was going to be a multi-track thing um, in keeping with some of the other international conventions. Yeah. And, and, and it was so nice that a lot of really good, respected people put a lot of faith in a guy that they didn't know from a bar of soap. Yeah. And, and and so I think having a bit of having a bit of uh, nick and uh, boldness to just ask people actually revealed a really generous side to, to a lot of the people that were involved in the first one and then obviously after that the first one to some degree took care of the second one because it got a lot of good feedback um the the participants there the guests there really did throw themselves into it the the presenters and the speakers really did throw themselves into it and, and, and the one thing I wanted to I wanted to do was not play it totally safe. So so there was there were a few egos, a few clashes of opinions, and and, and I was very uh, particular in wanting them all in the same room. Yeah. Um, and it, and it made it interesting, even even if it meant just a load of nosy people turned up because they thought there'd be a fist fight in the first year. Um, they, it wasn't. It was actually a, a, um, an amazing success. And it was and, and it was literally down to people's generosity and willingness to participate in like a shared idea
0: absolutely and I think it's really nice that you know it, it's willing to embrace that um, that diversity of opinion and let it play out and you know, give people an opportunity to experience. And, you know, it was fascinating for me. You know, I'd go into one room and see one speaker talking about, oh, well, this is how it works. And then you could literally go next door to a different speaker and find out, Way, hey, they, uh, they totally disagree. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and that's fascinating because you come away from an event like that with just so many more questions and having your eyes opened to, to so many different more ways of working. And that can only be a good thing.
1: Do you know what? And I really do think it's important um, that there's, there's a lot of people, I mean, you can see it on social media um, on a daily basis, there's a lot of people that do need some gentle steering once they've been qualified or, or while they're training to be hypnotists or, or even the more seasoned or experienced hypnotists, they do need steering in new directions. And to to give people a choice, a real diverse choice, sort of does take them out of their comfort zone a little bit and get them to consider other stuff um and I mean I'll, I'll be honest with you there's some that I have drawn that I won't name names or, or or even mention topics there's still some stuff that even even for a broad convention is just too out there to include mm-hmm. but we we do try and and have an array of of like you said like you mentioned like conflicting ideas and techniques so it's, it's worked so far
0: yeah absolutely yeah, that that's certainly for sure so in terms of the 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 approaches that you take and obviously this is the rapid change matters podcast so keen to to talk about some of the themes around rapid change i, I mean i as many of my listeners will know um I often have people who will ring me and say things to me like, well, you know, how on earth can you possibly help someone because uh, help me? Because I've had this problem for 40 years. You know, how's that going to be done quickly? Surely I need 40 years worth of therapy to get rid of this. Divorce I... him. Yes. <laughs> um, so how, how would you deal with those sorts of things? You know, if people ring you with that, that kind of, you know, staid belief that change is going to take a long time
1: um well any anyone who's who's even seen a modicum of clients would have experienced that right they they would have had people i'm I'm currently and and again this is where i'm a really bad example don't listen to me if you want to run a therapy business just turn off and come back in five minutes but at the moment i'm helping someone for nothing yeah and i'm I'm, I'm doing it just because this person believed that they couldn't be helped and i thought you know what let's let's do this and and maybe it's an ego thing, maybe it's a curiosity thing, but I said, you know, what's your situation? And, and this person was, um, they're, they're in their early 30s and they've been on uh, antidepressants, mainly citalopram for 18 years of their life. And they started through exam anxiety, so just just before their GCSEs, and Apart from uh, a very awkward session with a CBT therapist, um, there's been very little intervention in the way of therapy. And this person basically said, and and the reason that we ended up where we were, the person basically said that they're going to be on, they use an expression, they're going to be on antidepressants for the rest of their lives. And and so I saw it as a challenge. I said, right, when's your birthday? And this isn't a rapid change thing. And I wouldn't normally... Uh, work to, to this timetable, but their birthday was in November. And I said, all right, um, if your doctor's happy with it, how would you like to be off antidepressants by then? Mm-hmm. And and she's on like a hefty old dosage. It's like 40 milligrams of satanopram. Yeah. Um, and, and and I've heard all, you know, I've heard all of the horror stories. There was another lady who was in um, psychotherapy for 10 years. And, and I said, you know, I I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to run down other um, uh, modalities and, and, and what have you, but I said to her, at what point was she going to ask the lady when she was going to earn her money? And, and, and she said, Oh, I did. And, and the lady said, well, some people are just in therapy all their lives. And I thought, Oh, wow. There's, you know, there's, there's professional people coming out with this sort of stuff. Um, wow. Um, and, 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 and I could probably give you other, they're the most extreme ones that I can think of from a timescale point of view um but um, you know similarly i I have people who are are medicated they've been sectioned um and what have you and they they, they're they're given very little hope i think probably the best way of putting it you know they just sort of they sort of just accept the fact that that's their lot And and i see stuff like that as a challenge and uh, when I see it up up, up in the town, up sit up in the city, it it can um, it, it can be an even even greater challenge. But from from a from a rapid, you know, i we'll probably go on to discuss this. But my definition of rapid, it will probably be very long to some people. Yeah. But but you know, when you're when you're working with someone who's been on. Antidepressants. Who's been in therapy? Who's, who's been under a psychiatrist? Who's who's been sectioned a number of times? Who's who's attempted to um, take their own life uh, once or more uh, occasions? Four to six weeks, I think, is quite rapid. And and, and and there'll be people just pulling their hairs out. And 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 the reason I think it's rapid is because you know some of the some of my pet hates in the in the profession is that people don't test beyond. That first session, and and I want to see how people are going to be a week from now, two weeks from now, four weeks from now, even if you know, even if the number of sessions actually come to a halt.
0: I'm just wondering whether you whether you're seeing or noticing a, a trend in terms of the focus being around speed, which I know is kind of ironic because I am the Rapid Change Matters podcast, but I mean let me let me caveat it slightly differently because my own belief around rapid change and what the podcast is about, it it rails against the idea that therapy should take longer than it needs to. And that doesn't mean it should take shorter than it needs to either. It's Mm -hmm. just this idea that, you know, if someone's going and saying, well, hey, guess what? I've got this issue. How can you help me? I hate the idea that someone would say, well, you know, we use 10 sessions. We have a 10-session approach because what happens if they were okay after one or two? Why would you set yeah. a time scale that's not related to to the client? So that's that's what this is railing against. But I'm just wondering because I'm seeing it myself, almost like a growing trend of you know it, it's kind of popular to believe that unless if you unless you're curing it all ails in one session, then perhaps you know you're not a great therapist.
1: I'm more forgiving, I think, of the people being extra thorough and charging six to twelve sessions. Um, if that's the model that they work. You know, so like if some people with a cognitive therapy model yeah. will have a number of exercises that they want their clients to be involved in. So, so, so you know, there'll be like a, a goal-setting thing. There'll be an ABC model. There'll be this. There'll be stuff about um, transactional stuff in their relationships and this and the other, and they want them to fill forms for this week and that week. And And that's fine if that's how they've been taught, as long as the intention's there. To fix the person at the end. Yeah. I'm forgiving of them if that's the if that's the way they've been taught. What I what I really am becoming increasingly more uncomfortable with is trainers, not therapists, having this competition to who can come out with the fastest protocol. Yeah. Because they think that's the one that the, the punters are gonna um, wanna embrace. And, and and the problem is the, the whole thing about learning to be, uh, whether it's a CBT therapist or a hypnotherapist or an NLP practitioner, people will go for shortcuts in the training. They want the certificate. And then when they, when they find themselves in a situation where that training wasn't actually that good, they then do what they did before and they go for the shortcut and the protocol or the quick fix therapy. Uh, and, and, and the people selling this shit know what they're doing. They're dangling that quick fix carrot. The problem is, and I don't mind upsetting a few people, a lot of it is a load of shit. Um, they they make crap up um, to to give it either a scientific grounding or a scientific backstory, or to or to give the the person buying it, which is generally a, a, a gullible wannabe well-intended therapist, to give them an idea that what they're buying. Has got some scientific grounding, or has been tested thoroughly and rigorously. And I'll be honest with you, I really don't believe most of it has. Yeah. And, and 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 it's a real shame because it reflects on it reflects on the helping profession, it reflects on good hypnotherapists, and it's 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 just it's just low it's just lowering, you know. It's a race to the bottom basically in training and uh, and standards of therapy. Yeah. You you, you cannot. You, and and it goes. And you know these people. And I see it every day. They they put up these um these uh, test uh, these testimonies from clients, and they're like twenty seconds. Someone's um. You know, someone's had a lifetime of depression. Those with me. Twenty seconds later, I've got them to pick their bum, scratch their eyebrow, and uh, and they're not depressed anymore. How do you know? I, I mean, how possibly do you know? Because I could ask someone, with my finger pointed at them, do you feel depressed after I've taken the money off them? And they're going to tell me they don't, even if they do. Mm -hmm. And do you know what? When they realise how much money they've paid me two weeks later, they are going to get depressed. Um, And and I just think it's a shame because it's rife in the business at the moment. And it's just just absolutely wrong. Am I saying that someone can't be changed in one session? No. I've done some... I've done some cool things, I think, with clients in one session. I've seen people jump up up out of chairs. I've I've done I've seen all the cliche stuff. But do you know what? I've also seen it and then had the feedback two weeks later that they're worse than they were before, when I didn't know any better, when I didn't educate them to do certain things, when I didn't check up on them. Um Yeah, and, and but people are set people are selling rapid change now as yep. as um as a thing and rapid you know what we're doing we can help peop we can help people i think quicker than anything else, but it's not a race for the instant fix what what we're doing compared to you know a hypnotherapist, a good hypnotherapist, especially with some training and other skills that they can they can make change very quickly, but it shouldn't be at the expense. Of anything, and, and unfortunately, I think with a lot of people, it is now.
0: Is there actually a danger, and, and dare I say, an almost dark side, of implying to someone, a client, that change can be so rapid, in that if then it's not successful, or you weren't able to help them in that session, or that change began to be happen, but maybe be slower, instead of them feeling good about it. It's met with, oh, well, you know, obviously, I'm just one of those that can't be helped quickly. And, you know, it actually ends up uh, backfiring and making them feel worse. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as a, in the same way that it can have a negative impact if you say to someone it's going to take 12 sessions and, and, and they then start unraveling in their own heads, their own internal conversations, because either they thought they were getting better early but it couldn't possibly be happening that quickly. Uh, Similarly, um, if, if you're telling someone, you know, I generally help people just one session and, um, and that person isn't feeling it, isn't getting it. They then, and, and this is why I work on that internal meaning and that internal language. They could say something along the lines of, I'm much more depressed than I thought I was. Um, I don't think I can be helped, um, you know. And and dare I say it, this therapist isn't for me. When that therapist could be right for them, but then I, I don't know if a therapist would tell them that they should be changed in ten minutes anyway if they were the right therapist. But um, yeah, I, I, I think people don't. As, as I change the way I work, I think people. I've noticed that people don't put enough emphasis on the hypnotic, hypnotic language that people use on themselves. Yeah. And and you just touched on, on a really good example there. You know, that when someone's stressed, when someone's emotional, uh, you know, Freddie Jackman said, you only need emotion and then you've got a, a hypnotic suggestion to paraphrase him when we were talking last year. Yeah. And he's absolutely right. You know, when, when someone's down, everything they're telling themselves is a suggestion. Is is a statement. Is um, the way that they uh, they identify themselves. And, and and if you're promising the earth in you know, a in a quick session, and it doesn't happen for that person, um, you, you're, you're you're running a good chance of making an already conflicted person much more conflicted internally. Um. So so you know that's why. Yeah, I can get changed. I can get changed. We can all create phenomena. um, But there has to be more with it than just that.
0: So let's imagine someone rang you and said, listen, you know, I've heard you are a hypnotherapist, that you can help people with various things. You know, this is the issue I've got. How do you navigate, explain to them what the process is, which does both uh, helps them understand that it is possible, for them to, you know, make some great strides in terms of change without overpromising or setting expectations in a way that could backfire.
1: Um, I, I sort of, I sort of lead the conversation. I'll say to them, "Look, amazing things are possible, but I'm going to expect some stuff of you as well." Yeah. Um, you know, I can, I can, I can do, I can do the normal stuff where someone comes in, create phenomena. Uh, get an SUD at the start, get an SUD at the end, go, da-da, it's all done. Um, but if they don't do the things that I'm going to ask of them, a lot of the time, I dare say more often than not, um, their their problems are going to reappear. So so when they come to see me, I want to make sure that they're not just on board. It, almost in a way, and this is probably going to go contrary to what a lot of people I've been taught what well, a lot of people hear almost in a way how they perceive that first session is just one part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that they've got their very best chance of not not just resolving their issue, but that issue not recurring if they listen, uh, if they work, if they're honest. So, so you know, I'll, I'll have a conversation where I'll say I want honesty If for any reason I ask you to do something, you don't do it. I don't want you to lie. I'm going to know you're lying. Um, But it's going to take some effort on your part. Um, And and I'll I'll educate them why. And um, I try not to. I used to have a a real good sort of uh, down to a fine tea sort of intake script. And and again, it's probably why I don't train people anymore. I have come up. This is where Bob and I disagree. For instance, I have come off script a little bit because I don't know what the other people's script is. Yep. And and if they're giving me, uh, if they're giving me any indication that they, that they're expecting me to do all the work, for instance, um, I'll tell them I might be able to, but I might not. Um, good or bad sales pitch. I don't know, but I want I want to start on the same level of honesty that I expect the clients to maintain.
0: Well, for sure, I think, you know, this uh, emphasis on placing responsibility for the change uh, on the client or at least sharing that responsibility is, is an important one. I'm reminded of, the, uh, of, a, of a lady who came to see me a couple of years ago. And I mean, normally people come in and they say nice things like, hello, how are you? And that's how we start. But this lady sort of plonked herself down in the seat opposite and she went, well, go on then. Wave your magic wand and fix me. <sighs> <laughs> and that's how that's how we kicked off the session. And um I found myself saying to her, well, I, I can't do that. But what I can do is I can show you the magic wand that you already have. And I can teach you some spells to cast that if you practice them, you'll create your own magic. Mm. But the reality is, is that that, that whole frame of, you know, wa- wave your magic wand and fix me as though she's not even engaged in the process. I, I'll be honest, it's, it scared the shit out of me.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm absolutely gobsmacked that uh, some people don't understand. I mean, there's a naivety on a client's part to think that, that they don't have ownership of their own problem uh, on any level. Um, there's, But there's also some um, gross mis-selling on the, thera- on the therapy side of things of giving people the people the idea that if they follow a ritual or, or do this or do that or grab this or or what have you other that, that that's all that is needed for change you know um i had a good conversation with uh gary turner that you had on a, a little while ago mm, yeah um and he said he, he can't just see i mean i think he, he and i look at things very similar you know he's all about the internal dialogue but but the other thing as well is is that uh a We'll take the emphasis off the therapist for a minute and just go back on the client. A, a client has a responsibility to inform you, right? Now, um, I know there's a lot of therapists out there that just like to work content-free, and you know what? For some issues, content-free is absolutely fine. But um, there, there, there's there's a, there's a bigger, wider world, their their environment. Um, also uh, comes into into play when you're when you're doing change work with clients and, and and gary was talking about using ptsd as an example after someone's suffered from ptsd um they've had they've created a different dynamic with their kids with their colleagues with their partners with their neighbors with their friends with uh former colleagues and and those clients are going to have, need help navigating. Just because, just because you've dealt with a symptom or gone back to one moment, it doesn't mean that as a client and a therapist or a coach, you don't have to work on other areas. Um, and and I, I think, you know, putting the onus on the client, they they have to have the responsibility of, of teaching you not just where the problem the immediate problem's been the obvious problem, but also how it's affected other parts of their life, for instance. Mm. Um, and and therapists have to have to do more than just remove a symptom or or create a placebo response at that time to, to tell a client that they've um they've been fixed. Um there's, there's a there's a, a mutual responsibility on both parties again, going back to what I said before, to be honest, to be clear, and to be um, invested in the process.
0: For sure. It's interesting, I mean, this idea of content-free. And I think, actually, it was Rory uh, Fulcher who I had on the podcast who, uh, interestingly, posited that there is no such thing as content-free because even if they don't tell you about it, there's still content for them.
1: Yeah. Again, I... I I think, you know, this, I don't need to know, um, attitude, um, about stuff. So sometimes I don't, I don't, I don't need people to be breaking their hearts or sobbing or this, that and the other. I I don't need, I don't need people to go into certain details, especially when they're sort of dark or, or particularly upsetting. Mm. Um, but, but you, but you, you need to know what kind of, problem you're working with with that client um this uh, i think it's i I do think again it's a it's a bit of a new new thing um that i don't need to know we're just going to do this process and you're going to be sorted and i i just think that's well at best lazy um it's disingenuous and and also i think there's something fundamentally flawed with it in in a lot of instances um, like yeah, because you know, like we always says, there, there is I, I, I can't see how there is stuff as content free. There's just there's just timid therapists and coaches. But
0: yeah, I mean, interestingly, I I think, and I have I I haven't really done the research on what I'm about to say, so I, I might be talking absolute nonsense here, but I wonder whether the idea of content free arose because people were trying to train people in processes and principles, and to demonstrate you know how hey guess what what we're doing is changing the structure of thought rather than content the way to demonstrate that like a controlled experiment is to go well let hey let's let's not you don't tell me what the content is so that we can be clearer about the structural change and whilst that might be a useful demo it doesn't seem necessarily that that means that everyone should be doing that uh, in in their real lives as a therapeutic change worker
1: yeah it's, I, I, listen there's there's some instances where you know you you don't need people to revisit, but but there, there 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 has to be on some level a mutual understanding and acknowledgement of what that thing is. Yeah. Right, because it could lead to confusion, and unless you're, you're one of those therapists, and I've I've seen them quote it on forums and what have you, where they kind of give you the impression that someone comes in and they sort of hold their hands up and nope, I don't need to know. We're just going to do this, and uh, and and some people it might be to um, let the the subconscious do the work. And that's all, and that's all they need. Your sub, you know, this is another thing as well, um, which is, which I probably disagree with a lot of people in the in the therapy world. This idea that, um, and, and I encountered this recently in um in a forum, which is the and and it does relate to content free. Your subconscious knows the answers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: no it doesn't or you wouldn't be there um you know these the same people who are probably building up the subconscious model as the protective part and this that and the other they'll tell you that when you get in touch with it it knows the answers um or, or it knows sorry it n- knows the answers knows what needs to be done i should sorry i should say yeah um and you know that's, that's the other side of the content free argument, but I don't necessarily subscribe to that because I don't think that the person would be there in front of you if that was the case. And without even getting into the old argument of is there, isn't there a subconscious or what have you. So, yeah, so uh, sorry, I just sound like I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, running down every, every uh,
0: process of therapy, but. Um, no, I, I think it, it, it's really interesting. But what comes across is that, you know, that there is so much kind of um, uncertainty around, you know, is it like this? Is it really not like this? Is it, does it really work this way? Who knows? And I, I think it's kind of refreshing to to speak to people who, you know, clearly are successful. They're working, they're therapeutically, I uh, have now. Uh, there are a, a name in the industry who are willing to say, "Well, you know, we don't we don't really know what all this is," and there are so many questions. I think that's that's kind of cool. Yeah. Oh,
1: honestly, I, I I um I I think I think if more people were prepared to say, "I don't know," um, or mm, or or maybe say, "Well, I haven't actually been doing it like that. Maybe I should," or or stuff like that, I think the profession would be in a healthier shape, if I'm being totally honest, I mean I, you and I have had this conversation before or, um, I, I cock up on a regular basis um, you know, we were talking about that and I think it's a, it's, it's a sign of, a of a, of a, a of a decent therapist or coach or, or whatever to, to, to know that they're not always going to get it right, that they're going to have a bad day at the office but it's the, it's these it's these uh, people are rigid mm. uh, and, and think that one protocol is is a, is a panacea for everything. Um, they're, they're the ones that. Are, mm.
0: And don't get me wrong though, Nick. I, it's not that I think that there isn't room and a place for some, uh, dare I say, the word set pieces or protocols or you know some f- uh, you know step by step instructions of how to do stuff. But I think it should be given out or learnt with the caveat of saying, "Well, hey, guess what? It doesn't always work." And let's also talk about, you know, when it doesn't work, and if it doesn't work,
1: what then? What do
0: you do? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I mean, let's put it this way. I mentioned it already, Bob, mm. uh, as you know, as you know, a really good friend with uh, Bob Burns for anyone who's listening. Um, he he is one of the, probably the most scripted person um, I know, um, and and his Swan is a is an amazing thing to have in your toolkit. It's great for kids. Uh, it's great for when the, you know necessarily the communication isn't going the way that I would like it, um, or the person would like it. You know, sometimes it's it's just a great thing to dip into. I, yeah. I love doing it with young people um you you don't need you know there's no trance involved as such um so something like that is brilliant to have um when when stuff's very vanilla and very clear what you have to do to to have a number of a number of options um you know i I mentioned um to you before uh bwrt level one I, I, I'm not sure I quite understand what the other levels were getting at. Uh, if, I'm sorry to say, but uh, level one was a good technique. Um, you know, for for sort of low level fears and phobias and and what have you. Um, it's, it's quite a nifty little uh, it's a nifty little technique. And 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 when I was doing more of the therapy side of things, I'd, I'd 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 use it occasionally. There's loads of little things, you know. You you hear great things about the arrow and and stuff like that. Mm. Um, But as as long as people, it's more important, I think, that people understand what's going on and why it's going on and why, and when it doesn't work, why it doesn't work. Uh, And that can be the fault of the therapist, it can be the fault of the client, it can just be, you know, there, there can be a multitude of reasons why. It doesn't work, and as long as people understand that there will be a number of times when it doesn't work as well, and so so you can have a load of you can have a load of tools in your toolkit, um, and um, but also also having the humility to just know
0: when it's just not working with that person as well. So, I this idea of having lots of tools in the toolbox, and I'm I'm gonna I hope I make this clear. Um, is there a danger that the tools don't all necessarily play well together. And what I mean by this, and actually this came from a conversation I was having recently with Jorgen uh, Rasmussen, which is if you use some kind of process or technique or framework and they and you don't get a result, on the face of it, they might say, well, hey, this didn't work, you know, and they didn't achieve the result. But they might have bought into the framework. So, for example, they might have bought into the idea that whilst you didn't get them the result they wanted. They might have bought into the idea that there had to have been one significant traumatic event that triggered it all off. And now they're screwed because, you know, hey, you haven't been able to find it, which kind of now kind of limits and it's hard to do maybe 180-degree turns to say, well, hey, okay, now let's present a totally different framework. Does that make any kind of sense?
1: Yeah, no, it does. I mean, um, so let's just take regression, for example. Um, so some of the die-hard, and I'm, I think I'm going to make up a word here. Some of the die-hard regressionists, um, where where they think that like 95% of uh, issues um, can be uh, reconciled by going back to this initial sensitizing event, making the change there, uh, and then and then uh, bringing it forward. And I found, and and I'm not poo-pooing regression. As a whole, I don't use it very often, um, but I found that a lot of people that do sort of hang on that one thing, um, they they are quite limited. Um, mm-hmm. and when it doesn't work, when it doesn't come off, when that you know when that person doesn't get deep enough, oh no, I haven't got somnambulism, I can't regress the cause, calls, because they're just oh no, they're listening, they're talking, they're they're actually. Talking as if they're not there. Oh no, what do I do? I have to deepen them more. And 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 what happens is the focus goes off the client, and the therapist or the coach puts the the, the, the focus on themselves. And and I think when people put too much weight or emphasis on a process or a procedure, and it and it derails, they start to flounder because. What, what they actually do is they shift the focus from the client, the client's world, the client's problems, the client's language, and they put it on themselves. Yeah. And, and and um and, and and I can only imagine um, that up and up and down the country, around the world, that there's some real sort of toe curling moments when uh, a um, a process that people have been totally married to goes wrong. And they don't know what to do. Um, Well, I I, I do know that even if I'm having a complete shocker, um, I can sit and listen to the language that a client's using or not using. Um, You know, I can observe them. I can give them something to do, something to take away. Um, And like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to admit that I have some brilliant sessions and I have some not so brilliant sessions. But I never try and lose myself in the moment. Yep. I'm doing that session because I've, I've, at some point I've disconnected from the from the client. Um, and and and, the, and and what happens is, and you, and you see it, you, and, and again it, it goes back to this argument about trying to sell the next best, bigger, faster, flashier thing. These people get sold a technique they're then led to believe that this technique can't just be used for one or two things, but 12 things just by tweaking something. And then they go off and in their own little worlds, they try it. Yeah. And, and then what happens is they then teach themselves bad habits with it because they're not, they're not developing themselves. They're trying to get good at a process. Uh, they're not, they're not developing the listening skills and, uh, developing, um, They're not developing a certain structure. So my structure will be, whether it's right or wrong, it's a structure that everyone's behaviour is fulfilling needs, positively or negatively. Everyone has different needs that are a different priority to different people and at different stages of their life. Very Robin-esque, and that doesn't sit very well Mm -hmm. with people. Um, And and then a combination of um, internal language, like I said to you before, I think uh, the hypnotic language people use with themselves is the most powerful hypnotic language of all. And if you, if you see someone walk through the door, and all of a sudden you're trying to rehearse a protocol or process um, in your mind, you're going to miss some absolute nuggets. I guarantee it. Um, well,
0: um, it reminds me. I was wanted a, a hypnosis meetup group, um, and bumped into a guy who said to me. Howard, don't you hate it when, you know, you spent two and a half hours before a session writing out all of the things you're going to say only, <laughs> only for the person to walk in and realize none of it's relevant. And I genuinely, um, had this moment where, you know, all credit to him, you know, great. I mean, it, it shows a certain amount of, uh, what's the word? Um, foresight, determination, uh, fortitude to, to sit for two and a half hours and write stuff. But quite frankly, I couldn't relate to that. Because how do you know what you're? How do you know what you're treating? I know it's mad. It's crazy. It's but but you know what? It's very common. Mm.
1: It, it is worryingly common. You know, a, a day doesn't go by when um, you don't see someone asking for a script. Um, you know, uh, asking does this protocol work with this? Does and and you're thinking. You, you, well, I don't, well, well actually, you. I don't know what they're thinking, or well, they're
0: not at all. Yeah. But. Well, it goes even more fundamentally to something that I, I worry about ethically, which is I, I, I've seen them, those comments that go on Facebook or whatever, saying, you know, I'm seeing a client tomorrow about issue X. Has anyone got a script? I haven't dealt with that before. But then you suddenly have this realisation, don't you, to backtrack, which is in order for them to be in a position where they're seeing someone tomorrow for that issue, they had to have spoken to that person, presumably, ahead of time and said, yeah, I can help. So which means that they're saying they can help about something they've never worked with before. And they don't even have an inkling. Oh, yeah.
1: But but, but I'd love to, I don't know how you'd get the data, but I'd love to know what percentage of people in the profession. And this is this isn't, by the way, just uh, hypnotists or, or hypnotherapists. These are other helping professions. It's NLPers or what have you. I'd love to know what percentage of these people um, are taught to basically uh, fudge it, you know, to project confidence, to to go. Like I said, when I first started out, I didn't know any better. I I had this I had this pre-talk script, I had this phone script, I had this or uh, uh, whatever, and 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 you're just saying yes to things that you're not giving any consideration to, and 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 not just that, but you're saying yes while you're not even listening. Because um, sometimes the the presenting issue on on a phone inquiry or an email isn't the issue anyway. Um, But if you're one of those people that are inclined to go, they're pulling their hair out, um, and then off, let's go to uh, Hypnotic World and get a script for hair pulling, that should do it. By the way, I'm, I'm not one of these people who wants to lynch people who use scripts. Um, I, I think scripts um, serve a purpose when people are starting out. Scripts serve a purpose for people who are looking for different alternative strategies, not other people's words, but techniques that are involved in that script um, for for helping someone. But um, so, so so there is a place for scripts. But if if you like you said, if you're saying yes to someone, I can help you you should already know what you're going to do with that person.
0: Yeah, I- agreed. So if there are people listening to this and they are maybe starting out, um, what, what advice would you have for them in terms of recommendations, books they should be reading, places they should be going, things they should be doing? Wow. That's uh, a small what,
1: question, hey? Uh, yeah. Um, places they should be going. Like I said – and and i don't mind admitting this not many people do i am a terrible therapy businessman i'm pretty good i'm pretty good with the business consulting i'm not bad with the and i use the term loosely executive coaching side of things but having having um having supervised um a number of therapists who who have sort of lost their way um the, the the desire, and we've touched on this already, to, to jump from one protocol to another um is 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 something that should be discouraged. Yeah. When people first when people first get qualified, the thing they, they need more than anything is experience. They need to they need experience with the vast array of clients, of issues and what have you they also need experience about how they operate because a number of people do training and they're reluctant therapists, they're reluctant hypnotists and, and they're, either, they're either being seduced by the bullshit merchants who tell them that they can see 40 clients a week, every week and £9 million a day um, and have their own island within the first year of becoming a hypnotherapist um so so that would be the first bit of advice don't did, did you not get the, the island nick i did it no do you know what um i, I very nearly got Canvey island yeah. in essex once um no it's just it's just ridiculous but people do get seduced so my first bit of advice would be don't believe uh everything that you hear other people are achieving or have achieved yeah. you know um uh someone just because someone's sat uh sat in a in a room with other hypnotists at a convention in Boston doesn't make them an international trainer um just because someone's got that their sessions a five hundred pound a session on a website doesn't mean that they've ever actually had someone pay five hundred pound a session um don't believe everything that you see um Stay true to yourself as well. You know, I've seen a lot recently, and I even mentioned it at the convention last year, albeit in a drunken slur, about um, what people charge. And, you know, people come out, and like we've touched on, they come out, they're very green, they're very inexperienced, they're still looking for scripts and and God knows what else. And then they have the same people telling them that they should be charging 100 pounds. Because yeah. otherwise, people aren't going to value them as therapists or or this and the other. And I would say, ignore that. Absolutely, ignore that. S- set set yourself a target to how much practice hours and and what have you you need before you feel comfortable in dealing with X Y Z issues. Then a price that you think is right for your area, for your demographic and and what have you. Again, don't believe everything that that you hear. I think that's probably a mantra I'm not gonna uh that's not gonna say for the last time there either. Um and, and yeah, just 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 um do do help as many people as you can uh with with the ultimate goal of learning as much as you can. And and if you are gonna get advice, try and get advice where there's there's some kind of consensus. So for instance, if someone says, What book should you read? If enough people are saying get Anthony Jackquin's Reality is Plastic, then it's probably right, get Anthony Jackquin's Reality is Plastic, because it is a good book, because a lot of people are saying it's a good book. Um and, and across a different, you know, across a broad spectrum of hypnotists as well. Don't yep. go to a don't go to a group where you've trained or a member of and assume that the advice that they're giving you, or the next training that they're telling you, or the next book to read, is the right one. Is the right one. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, get some kind of consensus as in what is the right thing to do. There's so much free stuff out there. Yep. So, so and and there's
0: including this you, podcast.
1: Yeah. Exactly. No, but do you know what? Between between like the likes of your podcast and and some stuff that you can get on YouTube, there, there is plenty for the novice. Uh, therapist or hypnotist to be
0: getting on with.
1: There's I, I, more than enough.
0: I think it's really interesting. Um, and I've, I've been toying around with this at some point, which I, I might um, uh, start putting out there, which is, I mean, and it's interesting because you're pointing towards it as well, which is, you know, find you know the consensus. And now I'm in the, in the quite privileged position of now having had, you know, this is now conversation number 42 or 43 that I've recorded. You know, I've had really interesting conversations with all, so many different change workers. And for me, the interesting part is even though they have often diverse opinions, diverse ideas, different techniques, different processes, cutting through and going, what's the common denominator is a really interesting question about, you know, what are they all, what, what are the beliefs that they operate out of and how do they navigate difficult situations? And I, I think that's where it gets really cool to go. And- yeah, what's the consensus? But, but Howard, you would
1: have seen, right, that, that you, you have people that you can tell straight away whether they're selling something or whether they're selling their experience of working with people. And, 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 and you're in a privileged position where you see enough that you're probably quite good at gauging who's what in, 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 the, uh, in the hypnosis community. Um, and, and, and I found, I found that with the convention as well, you know, without trying to plug my own business, if, if you're, if you're going to, um, if, if, if you're going to invest, uh, time and money, go somewhere like a podcast, like a convention where you can, where you can really pick from a vast menu, um, and you can follow the consensus there as well, you know, um. The, the response you get to a podcast is, is indicative of the value that that podcast gave at that time. Uh, if I don't get any listeners, by the way, I will never be able to go out in public again after saying that.
0: But no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, just lie to me. If, I, I, um, I, I will. I will. You know, I, when I interviewed James Brown and that episode went out uh, a couple of weeks ago now, uh, at the time certainly of this recording, um, you know, he, he did say uh, as a quip, you know, I hope your two listeners will enjoy this. <laughs> you know, and uh, and he said, "Well," and then we joked that he would even join in. So I know at least I have brought three. Nick,
1: there you go. J- right, James so, is one of them. Right, so three is what I'm aiming for. Yeah, that'll be a full that'll house, eh? Hey? But yeah, it's getting it's getting that consensus, right? And 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 I think there's if people just stop, question where, where the information's coming from and why, um, and and then shop around for other people's opinions. So so you know, I know you mentioned a book as well. Mm. There's a there's a great book. Reality is plastic. I don't know. I think you can go to uh, Anthony's website and, and get it from there. Um, but um, you know, there's there's so many good books. Not necessarily all hypnotic. Um, if if you want something with a bit of meat on it, the science of self hypnosis with Adam. Shameless plug for a friend
0: there. And and you also uh, mentioned in the rapid fire round just to remind everyone of the Human Givens as well.
1: Oh yeah yeah. I mean, uh, and I'll tell you why. It's um, when when I was in a sort of darkened place many moons ago. It re- it, it, um, it really resonated with me, and and, and it, it actually laid the foundation of, of of how I of how I work now. You know the, you know I've I've used a more sort of refined number of needs that they they do in the human givens, but. You know, the fact that we all are, are sort of trying to fulfill these needs and that if we do it in a constructive and measured way, we'd generally be more fulfilled. Yeah. Um, and, and it was a really profound book when I read it because it, it came to me at just the right time. There was another one that is a bit dated now, although I, I still like it for sentimental reasons, which is The Road Less Travelled. But, um, but yeah, The Human Givens, um, I, I think, is actually a great book. Um, And I would recommend people reading it as well. Um, Well,
0: It's also a book that's been mentioned by a number of people. And um, for those of my avid listeners, they will know that to celebrate the year of the podcast being out, I released the ultimate Change Workers uh, reading list so far, where really what I was doing is collating lots of the recommendations that Change Workers had made, but paying particular attention to the ones that kept coming up, that kept being mentioned, and I think the Human Givens was one of the uh, the top ones that just keeps being mentioned. So, if people haven't read it, I, I definitely recommend they should go out and get a copy.
1: See, see, I'm going to probably um, commit blasphemy now, but I, I imagine Dave Elman's hypnotherapy would be up there.
0: Uh, I think it was, yeah,
1: and and it's worth reading. But I think where my views have shifted in the last few years. Um it, it's for, for the first time I've sort of realised it is a little dated as well. Um oh, for man, I'm gonna get a hate mail now. I'm gonna have to I'm probably gonna have to replace about eight speakers at the convention.
0: Well, you know, what w- what can I say? I'm I'm sure uh, James Brown, you know, won't 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 say anything. Um and the other two <laughs> I, I I don't know. You know, we'll will see. Two. Um I'll this... pay them off the other two. Exactly. This has been, uh, you know, I, I have to tell you, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and people will know that we were we were chatting for a little while even before we jumped on recording. And uh, Nick, I think I could probably talk to you all day. Um, but if people are listening to this and they're keen to hear more from you, where should they go? How can they get in touch? What what, what are the links? Um.
1: So, um. Business head on first. Mm-hmm. I'll plug. I'll plug the uh, convention first. So if so if they're interested um at a convention, it is going to be the biggest one yet. We've changed venue so it can be the biggest one yet. And if, if they want information on that, it's the first weekend in November, and that's www.ukhypnosisconvention.net hypnosis mm-hmm. or dot co.uk. Um I spared no expense in in snapping up all the domains. Um so so they can go there. If they want to find out about me, and I wouldn't recommend it um it is www.nickebden.org um and I um yeah I won't plug the other website until the old boys with me if that's all right, Howard for sure um but yeah we we do a much much more inferior uh yeah inferior version
0: of this uh, I well, I I think it probably just has it has different qualities. No, no, it's a lot worse, <laughs> I, and I mean
1: that. I mean that with a hand on my heart. This is a much better podcast than than, than mine and Bob's.
0: <laughs> well, look, I've, I've 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 had a lot of fun uh, and really enjoyed it. And um, the the final question which I ask everyone is, oh no, when we talk, yeah, this is the moment. It's like the Columbo, isn't it, where you just sort of come back on. Just and... one more thing. Exactly. That's that's a pretty good impression actually. Um, and, and no pressure but I have to tell you Nick when I've asked this question in the past sometimes people come out with this is, this is where the magic happens Ooh. but no pressure um, no genuinely when we spoke about you coming on uh, the podcast and you know obviously the theme is rapid change is there anything that you thought would come up that you'd like to say but that just I haven't asked directly
1: I can honestly say no not off the top of my head um. I, I, yeah. I probably. Yeah. I probably alienated myself in the profession enough. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm gonna have to. Yeah. I might. I might open the applications again after this, uh, for speakers. <laughs> hey, if you can't be honest, what? what can you be i guess but
0: well listen i, I i've really enjoyed it and there, there's actually so so many things to mull over and to think about and i, I just hope the listeners um all three of them are uh <laughs> i've enjoyed it as much as i have uh today uh, as well and thank you for your time thanks ever so much for having me i hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did why not share it with anyone you think might be interested and even head over to itunes to give us a glowing review You'll find more about what's coming up on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash rapid change matters hyphen podcast. And of course, you'll find all the links related to this episode, plus those upcoming live events that will help you hone those change work skills.